0: Welcome to The Entertainment Entrepreneur, the podcast for actors, writers, producers, and really anyone working in the entertainment industry with a passion for entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Monica Hammond, a serial entrepreneur in the entertainment industry. Join me as I sit down with Broadway stars, Hollywood favorites, and industry change makers to chat about their own journeys launching, running, pivoting, and scaling their businesses. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, I'm Jen
1: Khan, founder and CEO of Scenery Bags.
0: Jen, thank you so much for joining our podcast today. So talk to me. I actually first found you many years ago at this point, maybe four or so years ago. Um, I came up to your booth at Broadway Con. So I cannot imagine you remember me, but I, I definitely remembered you because I thought your business was so special and unique. So if you don't mind talking to me and our listeners a little bit about how your idea came to be. I'd love to learn more.
1: Um, Absolutely. Well, I was a stage manager. Um, I was a professional stage manager for 17 years and I worked regionally and I did national tours and I got to work on Broadway. And um, right around the time of doing the Deaf West revival of Spring Awakening, I came up with this idea of repurposing theatrical Uh, drops into bags, because I know working on many, many shows that when the show is done, often things are thrown away. Sometimes they'll be repurposed. If it's a regional theater, sometimes they'll paint over a drop, but eventually the, you know, the, the life cycle of the scenery is it eventually ends up in a landfill, which is really sad because I watch these amazing scenic artists work for hours on these beautiful pieces of art that are then imbued with our feelings from the show and our experience of this like amazing finite moment. And, you know, like and then it ends up in the trash. And so my last four years of stage management, I also ran a blog on Give Back an Ethical Style. And this was back in the days where like backstagers being like influencers was not a thing and also like not cool. So it was very secret. Like nobody knew. These were like these two hidden like yin and yang sides of myself that like I would wear all black and be this backstage stage manager and then be like this fashion blogger on the side and like try really hard to let nobody know about it. Um, (laughs) And I never really thought that those two halves of me would meet. I thought they were just like the way I kind of balanced my creative juices in a way. Um, And then I came up with the idea for scenery bags. And I was like, oh, well there's the perfect marriage of like literally everything I care about. Um, And having worked uh, with Give Back and Ethical Style for so long, I knew that there had to be a give back component to anything I started. So I found TDF and we give back a minimum of 10% of all of our proceeds to them so that they can introduce uh, students to theater through their Intro to Theater and Accessibility Programs.
0: Oh, I think that's wonderful. Um, do you have a larger partnership with them or is it just sort of like you kick money at the end of the year? <laughs> it is it's so funny. So I was so nervous because I I
1: in my naivety, I was like I'm going to do it all and I'm going to start the nonprofit and I'm going to start this company and I was like researching how to rent buses to get to Broadway shows and my very practical smart husband was like Time out. Why don't you find a nonprofit that's already doing this and give them money? And I was like, "What? That's way too easy." So I googled like theaters or nonprofits in New York that are introducing students to theater, and found TDF. And they do so much more than that. They do in in uh, eight classes with uh, teaching artists. Then they then the students get to come to see a Broadway or Off Broadway show, and then they also give reduced. Tickets to them for a lifetime, so that they can continue to be patrons of the arts, which I think is so amazing. Um, and I'm just, and we also uh, fund their accessibility programs that do all of um, like ASL interpreted and autism friendly services, and closed captioning, and um, and audio described. So we believe that access to theater should be access for everyone, and so we're thrilled to be able to support. Um, so much of what TDF is doing, but I emailed them and was like, "Can I talk to you? I'm have, I'm starting this company and I really want to, you know, give back a donation percentage of our proceeds to you guys." Um, and so they're like, "Yeah, let's have set up a phone call." And I was so nervous that they would say no or or have a, a not want to work with me. And the first thing that they said was like, "Sure, we'd love to take your money." And I was like, "Oh yeah, like I don't know why I was so nervous." <laughs> Oh, uh, like, a profit. I mean, as long as everything's above board, which it is. Um, and so uh, we launch into a great conversation about everything. And it's always just kind of been this handshake agreement at the end of every month. I tally up what was sold. I have a very big spreadsheet. Thank you, stage management background. I have lots of Excel spreadsheets in my life, um, past, present, and future. Um, <laughs> and so I tally up everything that we sold, and make sure that they're given their um, percentage at the end of every month. And um, we've so far sponsored, like, I think, 1,500 kids through their programs.
0: Wow. So, that's amazing. Yeah.
1: It's really exciting. Um, and we, I love the work they're doing. And we've also been able to um, grow our give back uh, portion. And so I always make sure uh, the TDF is taken care of. And then we have introduced some new bags and items in this, especially kind of through 2020, we've done ones that give back to BCFA and the Actors Fund, ones that gave back to um, Broadway Advocacy Coalition, and we're still supporting them through um, all of our Freestyle of Supreme items. And then we're also supporting BGA, Broadway Green Alliance, and our Wicked Green Bag supports their work. So it's really exciting. Like kind of as we've grown, we've also been able to take on uh, new ways to give
0: back and support the theater community at large. Oh, I love that. I love the idea of a product specific, like give back campaign. That is so smart. So smart. Um, yeah. I was asking, cause I have, um I have a company called Broadway murder mysteries and I had started it during the pandemic to help, um, you know, give actors and writers an opportunity to continue working and getting paid. And I've, I've over the past two years, I've, I've wanted to include some sort of give back campaign. So thank you. You have inspired me. I will do that. Anything new seems scary at first. But then once you dive in, it's like, oh, great. We can give
1: money to everybody. Like it's, it's, it's so wonderful. It's really, it's once you start, you kind of just want to keep going in all directions, <laughs> Right. And of course they're going to want to take your money. I off. know. I'm so <laughs> nervous about it. And you know, we had a long conversation where I explained, like I asked permission always before we use anything. I mean, I spent too much, my background is stage management, where it's my job to like get permission for everything. So there's like, there's no way I'm going to not do that. And so once they realized like everything that I was doing was above board, they were like, absolutely. We'd love to partner with you. So we've, it's been a really amazing partnership with them. I I'm very grateful for the work that they do.
0: Talk to me a little bit. You, you started your company after 17 years. I think you said of stage management, did you have any experience in business or marketing prior to starting your company? No, no. <laughs> not at all. Um, and, you know,
1: that's just kind of the way the world works sometimes. And I and I always say this to like young entrepreneurs is that when you start, no matter if you went to school for it or not, when you start a new company, you will feel unqualified. That is just the inherent nature of our human <laughs> hubris. And starting something new and scary is that like you will feel unqualified, but your passion qualifies you. You came up mm. with this idea, You are passionate about this idea and no one is ever going to care about it as much as you do. And so don't let anyone make you feel like you don't deserve a seat at the table because your passion qualifies you to be there. And then what you do with that passion, how you shepherd that passion is, you know, hopefully once you get to a place where, you know, you're outside your limit of expertise, or even like at limit of, I can Google my way through this, you bring on the experts that can get you to that next level. And I, uh, have been very thankful that I've done that. And when I got to a place where I'm like, I can't make this on my own, I will hire people to make it or I can't design this on my own. I will hire people to design it, or you know, very quick to get a lawyer, an accountant, all of the things that I, I don't know how to do. Um, but I feel like that's that's the case for many of us who are who are inspired into an arena that is foreign to us at first. Uh, you you create a strong group that will help you through through the navigation of the new thing. Uh
0: and and you just keep keep going because you care about it the most. I love that. You said your passion qualifies you. Just so you know, that's gonna be plastered everywhere. <laughs> I
1: have it. I have enough because I, you know, I, I've been doing this for almost five years now and I still forget. I still forget that but it's so important because your passion qualifies you because if you care the most, you're gonna care the most about your product, about your company. Um and and also like as a litmus test is like the when you stop caring the most is when like, maybe you sell your company, or maybe you like reevaluate. But like, I think that that's always a good touch, a touchstone as well. It's like, you
0: you always should care the most. So when you first started out, I'm always so curious to see, because like, when I first started my first business, I was doing everything and like, totally scrappy. And like, I didn't know how to start an LLC, or like you said, accounting, like I was so clueless. What was what did you first do? Did you start with like, hey, let me get your backdrop, and I'm going to make a product and see what happens? How did you, how did it all sort of start? I mean, kind of, uh, I,
1: I was on a road trip with one of my girlfriends up the East coast from New York to Maine. We were just, we had never been to Maine. We were going to drive up. And while we were there, we were inspired by all of these like give back and upcycle brands. Um, and we were having lunch. We're like, where's our idea. We could do this. Like, come on. And came up with this idea for what is now scenery bags, which was then unnamed cool idea. Um, and that night I called one of my dear friends who I actually was a stage manager for him for eight years. He was a director and has since retired from directing and now uh, rents sets. Um, and he acquires like uh, national tour sets after they close and then rents them regionally. So I called That's him. Cool. He was my first call. And I was like, Hey, Brian, like shout out to the music and theater company. If anyone needs to rent a set, check them out. Um, but I called And I was like, do you have anything from a national tour set that uh, you don't need anymore? Because usually when they get these huge national tour sets, then they pair them down to rent regionally. The first thing they cut are soft goods because no regional house has the line set of a national touring house. More often than not. Or even if they're not going to uh, completely cut a line set, they'll cut the sides off. Because they need to pare everything down for a smaller house, um, and so they're called offcuts. Is like when they try, and even we've gotten some offcuts from Broadway sets, um, soft goods drops. Sorry, I use these like inside terms, and then we realize have to like walk myself back a little bit. Um, but the drops at what sometimes the Broadway house is so big that the touring houses are even too small. The proscenium is too small. So they'll cut the sides off of those to bring to narrow the the width of them uh, for touring. And so we'll get some Broadway offcuts sometimes as well. Um, And I was like, I'll take all the scraps from Broadway you want to give me. That is great. We are in it. And so, but he was like, yeah, I don't throw anything away. I have 600 pounds of stuff for you when you want it. And I was like, great. So I finished that trip, went to California um, with my like parents SUV and I think I did like a few trips and then it, uh 600 pounds of drops sat in my parents storage unit for like a year. And I'm sure they thought they would never get rid of it ever because I'm a serial entrepreneur between whenever I'd have time off between any shows, I'd start something. Um, mm-hmm. But then usually they would not be seen to fruition because I would keep working and doing something else. Um, and so bless them for humoring me. But then I finally, um, when my son was born, my first son, um, well, I guess backtrack. So I had all these drops in storage and then I just started looking for a manufacturer, finally met found a manufacturer, like was just kind of like kicking the can enough down the road to keep the ball moving forward through all of um the Deaf West Spring Awakening revival. And um And then the summer after that, I believe, is when I had my first baby. And that kind of afforded me the time to start the company, which is ironic because having a child is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But it also meant it was the first time I was ever home because stage managing, I was never home ever. Um, And so even though I was busy around the clock with my newborn, I could type on the computer or take a phone call while I was like nursing or like bouncing the baby Bjorn with my foot. Like I started a company that way because I was home and I could. So we had our first run of 25 bags and we only, we didn't have a website yet. We only had an Instagram that was pretty much only followed by my friends because no, advertised it. And, uh, and I was like, okay, we have our first run of bags. Who wants one? And we sold out in 48 hours. Um, and I was like, oh, cool. Because I I knew I loved this idea, but I didn't know if anybody else would. So I was like, that's kind of proof of concept Like, okay, that was good. And um, one of the people who was an early champion of scenery bags is Chris Rodriguez, who was in Spring Awakening um, and is just a lovely human and friend of mine. And so she was one of the first people to get a bag. She's like, as soon as you have one, you need to give one to me and we posted about it. And we got like a thousand new followers overnight. One of whom was Rachel Bloom, star and creator of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And she emailed me on our, our like little bio email. and was like, I love this idea. How do I get a bag? And I was like, I will give you a bag. Please let me send you a bag. I love your show. And so I sent her a bag and knowing that I was sent her a bag, I built a website in like an afternoon. Smart. So I was like, we should have a landing page. Maybe look a little legitimate, and um, and so she got it. she posted about it, and we had four thousand new followers in twenty four hours. This is also in the days where like Instagram algorithms weren't as pay to play, and you could actually grow in an organic way like this. this could never happen to uh even five years later, like this story would not is not repeatable, sadly um but grateful that it happened when it happened um. <laughs> yeah uh and then so i I started a waiting list on the website so we had like 250 people on the waiting list for a bag and i was like okay so uh i called my manufacturers they were like nope we're out we cannot we're not going to be able to make that many and i was like okay this is a problem so i found a new manufacturer and in florida so i started sample making with them and then upworthy emailed me um or messaged me on Facebook of all places, and was like, "Hey, we we saw Rachel Bloom's post. We think what you're doing is cool. if we do a feature on you?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, you can." And so I did the interview. Uh, so so that was that was July. So we launched early July. That was that was the first month. Morning of August first, uh, unbeknownst to me, the upward the article hit. And by the time I found out that the article was live and I got to my computer, we had 800 new signups on the waiting list. And so I switched it over to a pre-order um, so that people could pre-order a bag uh, rather than like signing up on this, like, and at that time the wait list was literally just like an Excel spreadsheet form you fill out. And then I was like, <laughs> hand filling these wait list items. Um, so that was not, wow. not a good idea. Uh, learned from me I was not prepared for a viral moment. Let's just say that, but a viral moment we had, and we sold four thousand bags in forty-eight hours, or for four thousand pre-orders. And then um, by the end of that month, because I kept like moving back how long it would take, and I was like, "It's going to take a really long time." And uh, then by the end of that month, we had five thousand. And then our new manufacturers in uh, were are in Florida. They're still our manufacturers. Uh, got hit by Hurricane Irene, and the close down their uh, operations for a couple weeks. So whenever I tell like our origin story, I always tell the breath of July to August because it was one of those, like the best of times, the worst of times kind of thing, because it was like this amazing validation of an idea, like a mm-hmm. beautiful moment of like the theater community and, and surrounding fans getting behind this idea in a really lovely, supportive way. And then the universe, like testing all of it. It's like you lost your manufacturer and your new manufacturer gets hit by a, a hurricane. And now you have, you know, 5,000 bags you need. So I kept, I was honest with everybody. I kept everyone uh, up to date on what was going on with emails. And I we, it took us till December to fulfill all of that. Wow. And I think we had like about five people who wanted a refund who like didn't want to wait. And everyone else stuck with us. Um, and it, and we've just, I've just been kind of like chased by that boulder ever since I feel like I, cause it, I was going to be this like cute little side hustle while I, you know, took care of my new baby. And then was, I'm planning on going back to stage management, and then this turned into a very real full-time job almost right away. So yeah,
0: that is phenomenal. I've, I've been taking notes this whole time. I'm like, Oh my goodness. There's so many things I want to keep talking about here. <laughs> I love how you said, i had a similar experience that it really all kind of happened when you had your son, correct? Mm-hmm. I started my murder mystery company last year, March of 2020, right when the pandemic hit, my son was in the hospital and that's when like lightning struck. And then I was afforded all of this time because everything was shut down. Broadway was closed And it's like, wow, now I have all this time to like focus on something. And you're so right. Like like having a child, especially for me, was our first child. It's like such an incredible experience and you're exhausted and all of that. But then it's also this just like just interesting period where you do have some time. So that resonated with me. So,
1: yeah, no, it's so interesting. And I've been told by a couple of them, they're like, new babies are good luck. And I was like, that's a great way to look at it because they're also a lot of work and it's really hard and scary. But nothing's going to, well, I can't say nothing. But in my experience, in my personal experience, nothing has altered my life more. Um, and it changes everything about you. It changes your uh your entire persona livelihood how you see yourself and the world around you and also your priorities are completely different nothing is about you and uh and you kind of like lose touch with the, the outside world a little bit and everything becomes very hyper focused in your one little bubble and um and so i was i was able to really kind of hyper-focused in on like my new baby and this other new baby. I always joked they're twins of like scenery bags and Hudson, my two twins. And they were born at the same time. Um, but it, it was really I mean, it was stressful and hard, but I don't think I could have done one without the other, actually.
0: Let me ask you. So the pandemic, how, if at all, has that affected your business? Great question. And it's been
1: an interesting journey, I will say, because 2020, um, we actually did really well because what we're selling is a tangible piece of what everyone was missing in 2020. Um, And people were available. They were paying attention to social media and their email in a different way because there was less distraction. Um, You couldn't buy show tickets. So there was potentially, um, more available money for other things. So like within our pool of, um, a car customer pool, it was kind of like a, a good season. I mean, even though it was really hard and incredibly hard on our community, um, for what we provide, we were providing something that was, um, like kind of in higher demand through 2020 and then 2021 Mm -hmm. is where we felt, I mean, where we, where we felt the effects of 2020 was in our manufacturing. Everything's made in America. So we Mm. thankfully aren't dealing with like supply chain issues, but we were certainly dealing with one of our shops closed for a while. um, And the other shop, paired way back so that they could socially distant and uh, and um, have people on in a rotating schedule and that kind of thing. So everything slowed way down. And so I actually started manufacturing for the first time. And we made these like um, wicked Glenda ornaments out of the bubble dress. And then I, I made those all by hand. Whereas before I hadn't made anything for the company. So like we were doing everything backwards because normally you start hand making it. And then as you grow, you like outsource that. No, we did that backwards. I was not making anything. And now I've moved so much. I'm making so much now. But that's just because we needed more hands. We needed more manufacturers. And I was, I can do something. And so, you know, I put the kids to bed and I'd make these little ornaments on my dining room table. Um and so that was kind of like also what got through 2020 was like you just kind of get scrappy and creative and so I started ma- ma- being one of my own manufacturers for the first time in 2021. It's been a, just a different year navigating because there are distractions again. Um, you can go see shows, so people are going to spend their money on tickets rather than merchandise. Um, so and not and we still had a, a good year, but it was just a different kind of. All my projections for the year were off, um, mm-hmm. and they were bad. But it was just a different year navigating than than we had had before. So you know, and it's continue it's going to continue to be a journey. Uh, I feel like for a few more years, probably. I mean, forever. I want to company, and we'll be navigating something, but pandemic has been an interesting ride, but we, thankfully we've, we've fared. Okay.
0: That's good. Yeah. I had a similar experience with murder mysteries. It was like people were dying for these like virtual events and things to do. And then things opened up again and it, it, again, it it was going well, but not nearly as well. So it was interesting, definitely interesting, the COVID ride. Um, Talk to me a little bit about your current marketing. You said that you started out and it sounds almost like accidental that like Instagram became this huge platform for you. And it sounds like you got some press. What are some strategies that you're using now that have been effective for you? Um, what a good question. Strategies? We don't have strategies. Um, we don't don't have (laughs) strategies.
1: Um, really, we, I mean, we still really focus on Instagram, even though Instagram is, uh, um, the more I research and talk to people in the know and in the marketing sphere, um, Instagram is becoming so much pay to play that it's almost like if you're not going to pay for marketing, you still want to have a presence there because it's it's the world we live on, but it's not going to get you the return you used to, unfortunately. Um, so we've we've put some more time into TikTok, which has actually proved to do very well for us. Um, I mean, Instagram's still doing great. We have a very loyal following and audience there that we love, and we will we're not going anywhere. If you're an Instagram follower, we're not going anywhere. Don't worry. Um, but as far as growth, it's harder to get in front of new eyes um on Instagram in the way that you be able to. Um and but we're really focusing in on our email list. Um we have a great email list. They're very loyal. Um we moved over to Klaviyo uh which is um email marketing service started SMS uh te- text marketing. Um and I think that's going to be a lot of our focus for 2022 is just like really cultivating our email list because I think that one thing that we all learned in 2021 was instagram can go away we, like when it shut down and we all freaked out um and i think everyone everyone was kind of like oh i really need to focus on the things i own um and so that's kind of another point that we're like okay we need to focus on that um we have some partnerships coming up in 2022 um leaning into some partnerships because that's a good way to get Uh, fresh eyes on what you're doing through their audience. Uh, Also, I just really like collaborating with fun, artistic people. So now that we're at a place where we can do that, I'm thrilled to be able to bring in some partnerships and collaborations with other artists. And and we're still on Facebook and we're not really on Twitter. We do like the occasional uh, e-blast podcast interview, but a lot of it is like stuff that's kind of organically come to us rather than us seeking it out, which we probably should get ahead of a little bit better. Um, we've been really, really lucky with the support from the theater community, like incredibly, incredibly lucky. And I'm forever grateful
0: for it and the, the um, people of the theater community who have really championed what we're doing. It's definitely, definitely a supportive community. It's amazing how people just show up for you. So knowing what you know now, having been in business many years at this point, few years at least, what are some things that you might do differently if you were starting over again? I would not have done a um, Excel spreadsheet waitlist. I think I two
1: things. One is coming from a stage management background where everything is a 24 hour turnaround uh, in the beginning. And I mean, if I'm honest, still to this day, I have a patience is not my strongest virtue. I'll just say that. And so plan ahead, <laughs> plan ahead and be willing to wait. Like really, it's gonna take longer than you think it's going to take don't let that deter you off the path, like stay the course. Um, but I had a, re- I really did not want to wait at all <laughs> for anything. But that being said, don't wait too long, like jump, go do the thing, but the thing will also take longer than you think it's going to take. And that's, okay. uh, <laughs> it was like a two-way street. Um, what was it? Oh, and, and also I, I am a, I do too much. I've always done that. Um, and I think the 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 few times that we have maybe like stumbled is the wrong word, but like maybe we stretched ourselves a little too thin when I was trying to like release too many products or do too many launches all at once or whatever, um, even though I'm looking into 2022 where we have like so many launches planned. Um, but, you know, sometimes less is more focus on what's going well and like lean in. It's something that we can't really do for what we do, but like they always say, like lean into your bestseller and don't throw a bunch of things and like confuse people. Like if something is selling well and doing well, like lean into that. Um, everything we do is limited. So we don't really have that option, unfortunately, but it's good advice for other people. For us, you know, our model is a little bit, is a little bit different because of, of what we do. But I I think that being willing to slow down and do slightly, slightly less.
0: How would you define success as an entrepreneur?
1: Oh wow. Well, I think for every entrepreneur, it will be a very different answer because it depends on what what you're looking for in life. Um for me personally, success means that I can stay home with my family and I can support our lifestyle and livelihood here from home um, and also we can help as many people as possible. We can, you know, introduce as many students to, to, to art as possible, save as much from a landfill as possible. You know, from my my personal version of success is just for like to help finance our family's life, you know, and to, or to be able to to be present with them while I do it for as far as my company's success, I see it more in like how we're able to help. How Because the more we sell, the more we help the community, the more we take in, the more we help the environment. You know, like I what I love about the company is like it's really a marriage of everything I care about. And so being passionate about it is really easy to do. Um, And going back to the why is really easy to do because the why is just like so, so, so prevalent. So that's another thing of advice that I always give young entrepreneurs is attach yourself to something bigger than yourself that you really care about. Like for me, it was TDF. For me, it was getting a, a new generation access to theater because I felt like that wasn't happening in schools anymore. And more and more, I was worried that we're going to be losing this younger generation who doesn't have access or doesn't even think about theater. Um, it's not part of their their language or environment. And so um, we're, we're losing them as an audience, but we're also losing them as potential storytellers. And it's like uh, both sides of that coin are very scary to me. And so- I knew that was what I wanted our social mission to be. And so if if there's ever a moment of weakness on my end where I'm just like, this is hard because those moments come like when you hit that valley, knowing that the harder you work, the more you're helping the people you care about, that'll get you through it. You know, like if it were just about me, I might've folded up shop and been like, this is really hard. And I don't you know, like I'll go back to stage management. Like that's okay. You know, but if it's about, we're helping the environment. We're helping the community. We're introducing new generation of theater. You know, those are the things that, that keep me accountable and keep me going. And so for me, the bigger we get, the more good we can do. And that's, that's the best success I think anybody can have,
0: really. That is such great advice. What are you working on now? Or what do you have, like, coming down the pipeline that you're excited about? So many things. So many things. We have a lot, a lot happening this year. Um, also some really cool things coming in
1: that I'm very excited about, but we're launching, we have a cool collaboration coming up with the Broadway Husbands. I don't know if you know them, Brett and Steven. They're great friends of mine and they actually moved here to Houston. And so we're like, well, obviously we need to do something together. So we're working on something cool. I think it'll be out March-ish, working on a new jewelry line. We have a bunch of new jewelry coming out um, that I really like love and I'm very excited about. Um, We brought in three, I have three new manufacturers in tw- that I've brought in in this last year and moving forward. So it's been 2020- 2021 has also been interesting to navigate because I've also felt like I'm starting our company over because we are bringing in all these new manufacturers to help us grow and um, and kind of move things around and take things to the next level. So hopefully we'll, we'll get there and our audience will, will come with us for the ride and support what we're doing as we continue to kind of like move things in a better direction or not better, but as a stage manager, I always said the one, the one thing on repeat inner monologue should be, how do I make this better? Like if you want to be a good stage manager, your one thing you're repeating always is how do I make this better? How do I make this prop list more clean? How do I make this more clear? How do I make this better? How do I make this safer? How do I make, like, if you're always asking yourself, how do you make this better? You're doing your job to the best of its ability. And so I've carried that into everything I do in life including scenery bags and so you know there's that quote that floats around the internet that's like if you're if the first version of your product that you put out doesn't embarrass you you started too late and it's like you got to just start but then start knowing that you're going to make things better, that you're going to constantly try to make things better. And I feel like, we, you know, if you've been with us for a long time in scenery land and ordered, you know, every year, you'll see like the, the bag, the quality has gotten better. The like we've done different things like they're continuing to get better. And that's part of um, the new manufacturers we've brought on and the new things that we're doing is like continually trying to make things better, more sustainable, more functional, all of those
0: things that we can continue to just kind of always grow in that direction. I yeah, well, but I was um, checking out your shop um, earlier online and your Instagram and the jewelry collection you have going is so fun. Thank you. <laughs> really cute. I love how you, um, you're using like the deck, right? From some of these different shows that have closed. Yes. That's so smart. It's very fun. It's very fun. Someone emailed me. They're like, we have show deck.
1: Like, do you want to make like coasters or something? And I was like, uh, maybe not coasters, but hang on. Yes, like if, if anyone offers me something, my answer is going to be yes, and then I figure <laughs> out how to use it. Um, and so, jewelry and accessories, I was like, yeah, that is makes perfect sense and is so cool. And I also love that because like upcycling things into bags is, is is a variation of a very large theme that a lot of people are doing, which is great. Everyone upcycle, please, like that's good. Um, but I feel like it's what we're doing with Showdex is super unique,
0: and that also makes me really excited. So, if people want to find you online or perhaps purchase some of these bags of jewelry, where can they find you? Scenerybags.com
1: is our website. And then on all the social things, we are at scenerybags.
0: Amazing. Ah, oh, Jen, it has been so good having you on the podcast and talking to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for letting <laughs> me be here. This has been wonderful. Thanks for listening to this conversation. This podcast is produced by Mary Dina and supported by Abby Martin. If you'd like to hear more from entrepreneurs in the entertainment space, download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so more entrepreneurs like you can find these conversations. And if you're in the entertainment industry, follow me all year long on Instagram and Facebook at Big Leap Brands. Until next time.